Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. I am the Zach on the Film. Joining us, like always, Stephen of the Schleicher. Stay gold, Zach. Heck yeah, Steven. I am very excited for The Outsiders because in my freshman literature class, I was going to ask back about in this. high school, this is one of the first books we read, I think, of the semester. Yeah. And it was great. All the students in my class loved it. We very much enjoyed it. It is kind of up to this point in my reading and media consumption. Nothing like this book had been around specifically like the ending, like the ending is the beginning, you know? Yeah. That was not, that was like mind blowing. We're like, oh, oh my God. So at the, at the beginning of the book, he's the writing the story. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was like a big deal for a bunch of us. And then we got to watch the movie. And now the movie. So you've seen this before. Yeah, I have. I've seen this one time before. Yeah. Back in the year, uh, like 2004, 2005. Uh, and now the movie has more. Um, like character to it because I actually know who all these actors are. Oh yeah, and there's like, a lot I, of them. I mean, this I one has uh, this one's got obviously it's got Patrick Swayze, C. Yeah. Thomas Howell. Uh, it has um, Emilio Estevez, who's yep. the brother of Charlie Sheen. So we're at least got at least uh, a Sheen three yeah. three connections to our last week's movie. <laughs> also has Matt Dillon in it, yeah. uh, who uh, plays a, a pretty big role. Ralph yeah. Macchio as Johnny. Um. And then, of course, it's got Tom Cruise in a role who's barely there. Barely. And I think pre-nose job, if I'm not mistaken. Tom Cruise have a nose job? I'm pretty sure he did. Oh, okay. And then uh, Rob Lowe yeah. uh, as a as soda pop. And it's just like, oh, man, this I remember when this movie came out, of course, because I was 13 right at there. the time. Yeah. And uh, same way. I mean, uh, we read this book. Um, so 83, 83, I would have been in... Eighth grade, so we so this movie had been out in, on VHS a couple of years by the time we got it. And I think we read it in our sophomore year, so this would have been in like eighty five, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do remember all the girls were just like, "Oh, they're all so dreamy." And I was like, <laughs> "Whatever." But yeah, we did the same thing, and the reason why we read this book and it it's still on the controversial list. It's a, it it appears time and again on oh, really? uh, banned books of books oh. that are controversial. A lot of it has to do with the extreme violence oh, uh, and yeah. some of the acts that are done by these kids smoking and drinking and swearing and all the other things mm-hmm. that are going on. When in really reality, this book uh, from uh, Essie Hinton uh, called the outsiders uh, came out in 1967 is about classism. Yeah. It's about 
um, it's about uh, prejudice, Mm. right? I mean, you know, here are these greasers because you literally live on the wrong side of the tracks. You're considered a greaser. And if you've got a little bit of money and you live on the, what, the south side, Mm. you're a soch. And uh, we find out that people's perceptions of these characters are, especially in in our uh, main character played by C. Thomas Howell, that that's not it. I mean, you know, C. Thomas Howell's character is like, I won't get into fights if there's guns or knives or bottles involved. But I'll punch, yeah. And he, you find out that he's more of a creative side, right? You know, he, he's he got this ability to be a writer, uh, as we find out at the end of the beginning yeah. and end of the movie, right? And then um, you've got the guy who's on the Soch, who is also, that's your fourth connection to uh, Red Dawn, is uh, the guy who's the Soch that talked to C. Thomas Howell's character in the mm-hmm, car. Mm-hmm. He was the class president in Red Dawn, who was initially right. like, I, I think we should just turn ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, that character in this movie is also someone who's like, look, I, I think we should just be able to get along. And yet he's the, now the de facto leader after, after the murder. And he's like, well, I guess we have to beat each other up until someone's dead. And, and so you really get this nice coming of age film that deals with all of these social issues that uh, kids are being put through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and granted, this is a problem with both the movie and the novel is it's presented from a very white perspective. Um, and, um, and so you don't get to see other races in this being portrayed at all, which I think is a big problem. But this also is Oklahoma in 1965, uh, where this is all based. Right. So I, you know, I don't know if that's, uh, as big of a deal, but I know that in hindsight, that can be kind of a problematic is, oh, yeah, we're just looking at white people problems throughout this entire thing. But I think for teenagers, um, this idea of being fitting in and trying to live up to expectations, et cetera, et cetera, of problems at home, all mm-hmm. this stuff is addressed in this book that uh, people didn't want. And uh, then it became a movie. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting reading it as a kid, these characters age living in a small Midwestern town right. where we didn't have, we kind of have a train track divide of wealth in our town, but we had like little tiny town, a little tiny yeah. town right next to us where everyone like there was like, like Oh, those are the poor cool. people. Yeah, those were the yeah. poor people and it was, they yeah. were, they were bad kids and stuff. And so they're like, where's a divide? Not to this extreme, but looking back, you could kind of extrapolate and, and see how we all treated each other differently based off. Yeah. And I, that's kind of the way it was with me too. I mean, you had our tiny town, which had like 800 people in it. Yeah. The school had at most 200 people in it. Yeah. And uh, most of those were coming from the surrounding countryside. And then you had the, um, the county seat, which was like 10 miles away. And that's where everyone was like, Oh, you're from there. You're much more affluent and all this stuff. And it's like, and in hindsight, maybe not, but in the way that the two towns, especially the high schoolers, l- looked at each other, mm-hmm. it was very apparent. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Yeah. But I remember that this was a – the movie and the book both, um, by the time that we read them in like 85 uh, and watched the movie, uh, most of the older students in the school could quote a lot of the lines from the book and what was going on. Because I remember when I was reading it. I was at a track meet trying to get through the reading assignment <laughs> yeah. and uh, upperclassmen were like, oh, yeah. Have you gotten to the point where this happens? Have you gotten to the point where they went to the church? Have you gotten to the point where they had the big discussion? I was like, no. And, the, you know, so they this really struck home for a, for a lot of people, um, probably kids going 
uh, going through the coming of age. Uh, yeah, story. yeah, because looking back on specifically the movie, it is interesting how people I still know from high school and our friends we can reference this book mm-hmm. and like I don't think any of us reread it right, right. after freshman year. Right. We all just read it at the same time and. It, I don't know if it was like a collective experience that we all went through it, or Probably how it just, it just it, it influenced all of us. But there were some parts I forgot, but most of it was still fresh in my memory uh, as I rewatched it for, mm-hmm. for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So this um, book became a movie because um, a school teacher and her kids wrote to Francis Ford Coppola and said, "We really think you should adapt this as a film." And Coppola had no intention of doing this. Until he sat down and read the book and he's like, oh, my gosh, I have to make this a movie. Hmm. And so in 1983, he made this movie. And um, and at the end of the closing credits, you see, he says, thank you to what's her name in the class uh, for making this movie possible, because if it hadn't been for them writing to him saying this is your next movie, uh, we would not have this this piece. In what a strange set of circumstances that led to that because what I this was rewatching it I realized oh my god Francis Ford Coppola made the outsiders that's kind yeah. of a big deal yeah yeah and then to think that a class I don't remember what class it was I'm sure this it was, was like a high the um let's see uh Joe Ellen Miss uh Miss is the school librarian at the Lone Star Elementary School in Fresno California okay uh the seventh and eighth grade students eighth. uh on behalf of her seventh and eighth grade students about adapting the outsiders okay so Essentially, you have seventh or eighth graders that read The Outsiders, mm-hmm. and they were like, "You know what we need to do? We need to write Francis Ford Coppola." <laughs> Which, how many of you got to remember? Movies I have mean, Godfather. Seen? I mean, Godfather is like his biggest to do deal, and Apocalypse Now. I, I get mean, it. yeah, but seventh and eighth graders should be watching Apocalypse Now and The Godfather. Different times, Zach. It's a different time. <laughs> like how they would like go to the theater, probably, or drive in to watch. Listen, on, on a the summer Godfather? night, on a summer night when it's like, pack up the kids, we're going to the drive-in, let's see what's playing, and maybe it's a double feature, or maybe it's the Godfather <laughs> on one screen or something else somewhere else, but I mean, Francis Ford Coppola is a known name. Well, I understand that, but the, the, the movies that he's made don't seem to lend themselves to a 7th or 8th grade class in California. No, you, would, you wouldn't think about that. <laughs> That's but. but then it's like, what's right, potentially one of the biggest directors mm-hmm. uh, going right now, like, mm-hmm. hey, bro. I mean, look at everything that he had movie. done. Patton, Godfather, Conversation, Great Gatsby, Godfather Part 2, Apocalypse Now, One from the Heart, Hammett, and then The Outsiders. Yeah. I mean, this is just this long run of just really great films. No, they're they're great, and he's an amazing director. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that it was like a 7th or 8th grade class had known Coppola's work well enough. They thought this is the or maybe Well, or it. maybe, you know, or it could have also been that the kids were like, oh, man, I wish this was made into the movie. And the teacher's like, well, let me just, sure. the librarian's just like, well, let me just write to that makes sense. Francis Ford Coppola and say, I'm doing this on behalf of my kids. But again, so now I need, I now I need to find a book and I need to get Aubrey's uh, kindergarten class, preschool. Yeah, class. I would uh, suggest to a Tom Merritt's Pilot X. <laughs> there you go. And, it's uh, a great book. I'll have them write to, I don't know, Ryan Johnson. Of, uh, or you could get uh, what's his name, who was supposed to direct uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, sure. who's now you got, got kicked uh, off. Now got plenty of time. Yeah. So, and we'll see if we can get a movie made that way. Because just reading that seemed amazing for the class, but left me with many questions. Okay. On why those people were there? All but right. very thankful that those kids and uh, the librarian from California wrote to Coppola to make this movie. Mm-hmm. 
Speaking of the movie, though, I am disappointed in the movie after watching it again. Why is that? Well, this movie... And again, remember, you watched this movie after you read the book. And here's something that happens, I think, a lot, is that when I was growing up, I would read, I had no problem reading the novelization of a movie before going to see the movie Mm -hmm. or immediately after watching the movie. Yeah. Uh, Because then I could sit there and plot holes or not just movie differences, but like plot holes, Mm -hmm. things that were skipped. I could say, oh, well, yeah, of course, that's the reason why Marty got out of class because of this, this and this, which I read in the book, but didn't say, oh, no one who has not read the book uh, knows what's going on. Mm And so um, your perceptions of the film are probably colored because you read the the book and then watched the film and discussed it in class in a very short amount of time with one another. It's very possible. But my issues are not how close it was to the book or wasn't to the book. Because truly, I do not remember passages <laughs> from this book at oh, all. Oh, okay. Just all right. the idea of what the book was. <clears throat> my issue... With The Outsiders is that it is much too fast and tries to cram much, yeah, a, a whole lot of narrative into an hour and a half. Which yeah. I learned <clears throat> there is a Coppola version that is, I think, like 40 minutes longer mm. and adds some stuff at the beginning and the ending of the movie, yeah, which is intriguing. But I watched this with Aubrey, and this is the first movie, I believe, in however many episodes we've watched that she stayed up for the whole thing because I told her, have you watched The Outsiders? And she goes, no, what's that? I go, have you read the book, The Outsiders? And she said, no. I go, well, congratulations. You have to watch this movie (laughs) because it was influential. Right, right. And so she did, and we were talking about it uh, over supper, and she thought, you know, it is the book better than the movie? I go, yeah. She goes, oh, yeah. because the movie put a lot in and there's not, like, people started dying and I didn't really care that they died because I didn't really know. Oh, in know. the movie. Yeah, in yeah. the movie. Because like, I don't really know them that well and it kind of is all over the place and they're fighting and they're not fighting and another character dies and then it's over. And well, go, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, you know, there's there this book does take place over a longer period of time. I mean, this yeah. isn't just a couple of days, right? Because there's a point where and I remember this and I'm I'm almost positive I remember this correctly. In the book, uh you know, um uh Pony Boy and um Ralph Macchio's character, um Johnny. Johnny. They have to go on the lamb, they're given money to go buy food and Pony Boy goes and buys all this lunch meat and they're hiding out at this church and they're like what are we going to do with this lunch meat? It's going to spoil. And like, there's this whole, if I'm not mistaken, there's a section of the book where they talk about they had to eat all this lunch meat in like a day or two and got really, really sick from eating all the lunch meat because they didn't want it to spoil. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, funny. it's not something you would address in the movie, sure. but hey, you're in a dirty church with no electricity, no refrigeration. Why did you buy a giant thing of, of luncheon meat? Mm-hmm. But again, the, I think that Coppola tries to show passage of time by showing all the cigarettes on the floor and the cards yes. spread out and... You know, you're supposed to say that, oh, these boys have been out for a week, a week or yeah. more before they're brought back and, and all these things. So, yeah, pacing is is problematic in this film. And and uh, as you said, big scenes were taken out to improve the pacing. But at the same time, the time frame really slips away. Yeah. And I don't really have a problem with the time frame. I guess it's just there didn't seem to be enough explanation of all 
that was happening with the characters in the situation they found themselves in on why these characters hate these characters and what mm-hmm. their backstories yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, Enough to, um, I guess, as Aubrey would attest, to build the emotional impact when we start, when we lose Johnny Boy and we lose uh, Dallas at the end of mm-hmm. the film. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of sucky, but I still think the movie is pretty effective overall, except they don't ever really explain why Pony Boy is writing at the beginning of the movie, which is kind of like a mistake because it just seems really just thrown in. Oh, at the beginning, he's just like, I'm just going to start writing. Yeah, but just like you said in the book, um, when you were when you were reading the book, you were really blown away by, by he was writing the story. The same thing's happening here because beginning of the movie, he sits down and he start writing yeah. and, or he's writing. And then at the end of the film, he picks up the notebook to start writing. Yeah. But is it, wasn't it like a, a school project that he had to do when he could, I thought the, the point through some of the story was he had to do this school project and he couldn't figure out what to write about. Yeah, maybe. And then he got to the end and after everything had happened with him and the socials and Johnny and, and mm-hmm. now that then he had a Why story. Why can't we just get along? Yeah. But besides yeah, I, that, I still really enjoy this movie. I yeah, think this was a good movie. It. I mean, this has a lot of good uh, quotes that you'll hear Matthew all the time say, "We're doing it for Johnny, man. Let's do it for yeah. Johnny." Or you know, "Stay Gold Pony Boy." Those kinds of things are real quotable segments from both the book and the movie. Yeah. Uh, but here, when you have you know Ralph Macchio pre, um, or right around the same time that Karate Kid is about to come out, mm. uh, and then I. This is not Tom Cruise's first role, but it's one of his really early films. I mean, this is before, uh, this is before, um, but, but, but dirty, bi- dirty business mm. or yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. I have no idea. Um, you know, this, this is like the early appearance. Of a lot of these kids. And when we talk about the, the brat packer, when we talk about teenagers that were super popular at this time, this film has the kids that were the most popular group of kids. I mean, even Leif Garrett is in this mm-hmm. movie. And I don't know if you know who Leif Garrett was, but in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, he was the big the big to do for all the the girls because uh, he was a singer. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, he's so hot. He's so cool. And he had this beautiful flowing hair and all this yeah. stuff. It's cut in this movie. Uh-oh. But uh, yeah, Leif Garrett tried to make this jump from pop sensation to acting. And I don't know if this was his um, debut piece or not, but I do remember that uh, it was a pretty big deal to have him in there even for the few minutes that he was in there before he gets killed. Mm. So the, what this movie did leave me with a better appreciation for was actually, we talked about last week with red Dawn (laughs) cause seeing the outsiders came out before red Dawn. I Mm -hmm. see, I see, but Oh, if we just take these kids and we put them all on the same team and we just give them a bunch of guns, everyone will love it. And it that movie makes so much more sense to me. Oh yeah, we are we totally should have watched these in a sequence yeah. of <laughs> yearly release because it really shows you. And this is the other cool thing about looking at uh, actors like Patrick Swayze or looking at um, uh, what's his name, Big Trouble in Little China, um, Guardians of the Galaxy guy. Um, when we look at oh, the cool thing is we can look at Tom Cruise grow up in yeah. film, right? We can start with the outsiders and we know what he looked like in 1983. Mm-hmm. We can look and see what he looked like in 84, 85, 86. We can see what he looks like today. And we can just see this timeline of actors as they age. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, 
you know, same way with with Patrick Swayze. Uh, you see this this happen all throughout. And the, and the one I'm thinking of is um, Kurt Russell. Oh, Kurt I mean, Russell, yeah. Kurt Russell was a kid kid, like mm-hmm. uh, maybe even younger than Ron Howard. And we can watch Kurt Russell grow up and age in film. And so there is not a p- point in time where you can't go back and look at Kurt Russell and not find a picture of him when he was 10 or when he was 12 because he was all over he film. And so when we look at the outsiders, too, they are the actors are all over the place and some of them have retired. Some of them are still doing stuff. Some of them have passed away. Uh, some of them have really, really, I, mean, I don't mean to say aged as in as a bad thing, but like Diane Lane, holy cow, she looks really great here. And then you look at her today and she still looks great, but it's like, oh, I forgot Diane Lane was in this, mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, and she actually played a bigger role in the book than, yeah. than the movie too, which is also kind of a, a bit of a slight, but yeah, so many great actors in here. I was, the one that is missing, yeah, the one that would be interesting that that is missing from here, would be Robert Downey Jr. If he would have, oh, if somehow yeah. they could have wedged him into this movie, he would have been a soch. Uh-huh. But it would have uh, would have been another thing that just solidifies the whole Brad Pack of <laughs> of this movie. It freaked me out how much Matt Dillon looked like Matt Dillon there. As opposed to like all the movies I saw him like in the late nineties, yeah. I'm like, this is the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is so weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've been aged in a decade. Good genes or good docs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now they shot this in Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool uh, for the time uh, to have that shot there. And a lot of these locations are still standing. In fact, yeah. Um, Ashley Victoria Robinson and Jason Inman were in Oklahoma not too long ago, and they actually went to uh, Pony, Pony Boy's Boys, house yeah. and shot some stuff on their porch and stuff. So. Um, these places are still out there to go and check it out. And this is a good, I would agree with you. This is a good movie. I think it's flawed because of the, the story is rushed. It feels very yeah. rushed. Um, but it's a good movie. It's a good coming of age film. I think it works best if you read the book and then watch the movie. Personally. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, you get a little bit more in you depth. Understand and, and, the movie yeah, more. you understand the movie more. You get a little bit more nuance in, in what's going on because some of these uh, characters like Matt Damon's uh, character, not Matt Damon. Um, Matt Dillon. Rob, Rob, uh, Rob Lowe, Soda oh, Pop. Yeah. He's in the book a lot more than he's in this movie. Yeah. And uh, and so you get to see some more character development and really understand what it means to be a family for these kids that have no parents mm-hmm. who have who come from broken homes, who are runaways or orphans or whatever, and how they find community and family in either the, in, in this case, the Greasers or with the Soches. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's a very fascinating look at that. And I, I think everyone should at least watch the outsiders at least once, even if they hate it, I think they should, they should uh, go check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think there's still some good messages there, especially if you're in that transition period that, uh, pony boy and soda pop and all these characters find themselves in, you know, early high school, high school type age. I, I think, Especially if you grow or are growing up or did grow up in a town like they live in, which I don't think they actually, they didn't they don't say the town is Tulsa because Tulsa. Well, is even larger. in the book, even in the book, it's not really said that it's Tulsa, but yeah. it's it is Tulsa, Oklahoma, was where this story was supposed to take place. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it seems like such a smaller town than Tulsa. Tulsa's like huge. <laughs> yeah, well, now yes, yeah. I mean, Atlanta was really tiny in the 1980s. That's but when you watch uh, when you watch the the Dukes of Hazard, a lot of the stuff at Dukes of Hazard was literally shot just outside the city where oh. <laughs> where I lived when I lived in Atlanta. But now that is just like urban sprawl. Uh, so yeah, things okay. change. Yeah. So there's a, a familiar familiarity 
if you've grown up in mm-hmm. like an area like uh like we see in the outsiders which there's not like a whole lot of movies that are like coming of age stories of rural kids except like a lot of the famous ones like hook fan and all, all of those ones that, yeah, that yeah. i think of uh but so that's that's interesting and uh, certainly provides more enjoyment for me when I watch it. Have you ever suggested anyone watch a movie before they read the source material? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think people are going to get more out of reading Gone with the Wind than watching the movie. Um, that's probably the biggest example right there. It's just like, just watch the movie. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that I've ever really told... Because even Blade Runner, Blade Runner is another good movie where it's a movie that stands in itself because it's its own story. Oh, yeah. Whereas where Android's Dream of Electric Sheep is a totally different yeah. story. So it, it's kind of hard to matter. say, hey, if you enjoyed this movie, go read the book because you're going to totally hate the book. Yeah. Or if you love the book, go watch the movie and you're probably going to totally hate the movie because of what it did to the source material. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there's a lot of times where I would not recommend going to read the source material if you enjoyed the movie. Yeah. The, only, the one recently I kind of found is more of a TV show with The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. I can't figure out what the best order is because the show adds so much to the book and also, I think, ruins big portions of the book. I can't figure out if, like... Because I did not like a lot of the show because I read the book, yeah. like, two months before I watched the show. I'm like, yeah. this... You're ruining it. You're ruining the cool part yeah. of this. Yeah. And uh, the show's actually pretty freaking good if you haven't watched it. I've watched parts of it. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that people were like, read the more detailed expression and then like watch this vague movie. I've always found that interesting. Like, or people, how people hate movies based off of, uh, based sometimes off of it can be done like. really, sometimes it can be done really good. I mean, yeah, the, sometimes are really good. I mean, they keep adapting, um, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. They keep adapting those. They keep adapting, uh, Jane Eyre. They keep adapting little women. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they keep no, doing sure. all of this stuff. And it's it's fine. They keep you know Shakespeare. Yeah, well, it gets yeah. adapted a lot. Um, I, th- I think it's fine. I don't really have a problem with that, especially if and and I know people are like, oh, well, they need to stop adapting comic book movies. Look, uh, comic books are a great medium, but when you have two hundred thousand people tops reading comic books, if you can get that same story that's great in a comic book and you can adapt it to screen where millions of people can see it, then you're you're giving more life to that story. Yeah beyond what's in those pages. And in some cases, there's no one who is ever going to, no matter how much you told them to read Shakespeare, they would never read Shakespeare. But if you showed them the movie, 10 things I hate about you, they'd be like, Oh my God, that's my favorite movie in the world. And then you tell them, that's Shakespeare. And they're like, Oh, I love Shakespeare. What? Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it just depends, I suppose. I think that I would prefer people to read the book, than watch the movie. But I think if people watch the movie and then they were interested in that, then I think the book would be a much more fulfilling experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always just a weird debate, you know, cause there's so many adapted movies mm-hmm. that inevitably it is some of the best books and to watch them be adapted. People can get very, very heated. Oh yeah. And I don't necessarily think the outsiders falls into that category that no, it, it's like, pretty it, straightforward. Like, it doesn't like ruin the idea of the book. No. It doesn't add or take away too much that the, through story and characters are like bastardized or right, anything. Right, right. Which I think is very important when you're doing an adaptation. So in that sense, I think The Outsider succeeded as an adaptation. I The movie itself can come off a little disjointed. I think if you haven't read the book and can fill in gaps that are being left out for 
uh, like brevity of mm-hmm. the movie because the movie is pretty quick. It's it, yeah. the original runtime is like 114. Yeah, 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 it's pretty fast. Yeah. So you know you're not given a whole lot of of time to work with when you're looking mm-hmm. at that uh, mm-hmm. restriction. Yeah. So everyone, they should head over to majorspoilers.com because I'm sure they absolutely have thoughts of our discussion of the outsiders mm-hmm. or the movie the book in general and while you're there you can click on the amazon.com link where i'm 100 percent certain you can find a copy of the book the outsiders or a uh you know like a disc version of yep. the movie you can get the audible edition if you want Ooh. you can get a paperback edition you can get the 50th anniversary hardback if you like you can get it in uh, VHS. You can get it on a DVD. In fact, there is even a Blu-ray copy of this what? right there on the Amazons. Yeah, so when you use that link over at MajorSpoilers.com, it's not going to cost you any extra, not a single penny more. Uh, but you can still get the great product, and a little bit of that purchase price can come back to Major Spoilers to help keep podcasts like this coming out to you week after week after week. That is right, and if you enjoy the show and you find a little value in it, find a little uh, humor in it, got a little something out of it, then consider giving something back in return. Head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. That's where you can show your support for everything that we do. Uh, It keeps shows like this going. And the best part is, when you go over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and sign up, you get even more in return. So what are you waiting for? Patreon.com slash major spoilers. We are kind of rounding out the Brack Pack. Yes. Uh, era of Zach on film, I believe, next week with St. Elmo's Fire, a movie I have heard referenced many times but have known nothing about. Uh, so that should be a very interesting discussion next week on Zach on film. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 